Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. podcast it's season nine episode four i'm housecoop.com editor john DeCarlo. we've got a full house today i'm excited johnny's a whizlack declan landis rymir vaughn and kyle gauss excited to have everybody here with us we'll review temples 24 to 21 season opening win over akron preview saturday's road game at rutgers you'll hear some audio from stan drayton you'll even hear some audio from temples punter dante atten we'll answer your mailbag questions too temples currently a nine and a half point underdog as of Thursday afternoon uh, for the Saturday road game up at Rutgers. The scoop, as always, is brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. That's why you need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215 261 7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. What's going on, gentlemen? How are you? How's There's a lot going been? on with Declan's backdrop that I'd like to talk about. Well, you want to look at the Hall of Fame wall? Is that what you're talking about? One, Declan is wearing like serial killer glasses. Okay. <laughs> relax. relax. Okay. Two, relax. TJ McConnell jersey hung up. Loose. Not framed or anything, loose jerseys that are yes. being hung up. Declan was really excited about those glasses. Okay, Two? John. You or know, three. We don't have to, you we were. Don't have to you were excited about it. Is that a Tebow jersey or jersey? Jersey. We got it so, from my grandfather, who's a Jets fan, and he gave it right back. It a New York Jets Tebow jersey. Yes. <laughs> and to the our right, uh, looks like, I'm oh, sorry, our, my right, so you, the other one. Is that like part of like a Trump poster showing up? <laughs> No, this tea. is the 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 <laughs> New York Giants oh, Super okay, Bowl. Okay. okay, which I don't even know how you get that confused, but there was, you know, no, I, I mean, respect it. There's a, a T there. I see it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not that's not my room. That might be. Also, you're wearing a Boston College hat during this, which is also interesting. Well, I spent twenty six dollars on this hat. I figured I'd get use out of it. <laughs> Why'd you spend twenty six dollars on it? <laughs> you know, I needed something, some sort of memorial. That There's a lot first, going on. It was your first plane trip last uh, spring, it right? Was. To, it was. It was terrible. I, I made peace with with leaving this life because I thought we were going down. And turns out we were actually going up. So, you know, imagine imagine my surprise when I realized that. Just minor turbulence, probably? No, it, it literally felt like we were upside down. Like, it felt I could see the ocean, like the bottom of the ocean. Like, I legit... And I was like, we shouldn't be doing this. And then five minutes later, we were fine. I was eating you're sun chips. So taking, it was great. You were, wait, you were taking off from Philadelphia, right? Yeah, taking out of Philly. Going so up to what Boston. body of water would that have been? The Atlantic Ocean. Oh, that yeah, John, what was what type of question was that? Yeah, I'm right. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Well, Do you know wait, geography works, John? Boston's no, also mean, like east of us. Yeah, but were you like right coming right out of the airport? Because if you were coming right out of the airport, that's I'm not with the you Atlantic on this Ocean. one, Declan. You're yeah, right that's, that's, the, that's the Delaware River. That's not like, or that might have well, been. Well, there was like, nothing around. John, you know how long so it takes either a plane the biggest to... river of all time. I didn't know where he was in his takeoff. This is I the did. aviation portion of the podcast. Apparently not. It's apparently like explaining to 1800s people like what flying is like. Yeah, <laughs> like you could Google Maps this. Like I thought you were talking about right after the plane left 
the runway in that no case, that's why i freaked out oh, because it gotcha, was like gotcha. it was okay, pretty okay. decently in my fault my fault. it's okay you know it's fine that's off the record I remember just, Black, you know, I need a couple power ranking points, I think, for that conversation. Do you remember just, Black you know. Sheep? He says, like, eh, if, we, if we crash, my money's on us hitting a mountain. Declan, put that on your list. That's a good, that's a good What's movie. it, Black Sheep? Is that Black what it's Sheep. called? It's, it's, it's just it, Tommy Boy. Yeah, it's basically. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, 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 no. Time out, Tommy. That quote's from Tommy Boy. My bad. Oh, okay. Oh, that's when they that go to Chicago to too. see Dan Aykroyd to convince him to buy their brake pads. Yeah. Oh, okay. Johnny? Rymir, after that spirited aviation debate, you guys have anything to add to that? No, I mean i i've I've heard I've heard Declan talk about his uh, life altering experience on the plane multiple times, and it gets better every time. <laughs> Weren't there multiple first time flyers last year? Wasn't Javon a first time flyer when he went to Texas? Yeah, might have been. I, I think, think so, he was. Yeah. I know he didn't like it. I know he Rymir, wasn't a fan. Rymir, are you a big airplane guy? Yeah, I've been on one airplane, and it was to Vegas, and it was the worst trip I've ever taken. So. <laughs> What'd you fly? Which airline? Um, Frontier. Well, there you go. Yeah. You might as well, you might as well have strapped wings to a SEPTA bus. Chelsea and I flew them to Denver last December and it wasn't, wasn't too bad. The fees are terrible. It's like, oh, you want to inhale and exhale? Yeah. That's 50 bucks. That's like overseas. <laughs> um, the CEO of Ryanair, like the, the Irish version of, of Frontier was, uh, got in trouble, not trouble, criticism a couple years ago because he was trying to sell standing up seats. He was like, I was just going to sell like the back third of the plane would just be standing up spots. <laughs> he was just going to shot people in the cow. But he was going to sell them for like 10 bucks or 10 euros or whatever. He's like, I guarantee you they'd sell out every flight. I, was like, I can't even stand on the regional rail. I couldn't imagine standing on an airplane. <laughs> like you get like tired or? No, like I just, you know, there's a lot of turns on the regional rail. And you got to ride, you ride the rails. Nah. Like a hobo with your, your belongings on a stick. You're just riding the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Famous uh, number fours, guys. Victor Stoffel. <laughs> Taiwan Francis. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks now. <laughs> That's fine. Um, Brett Favre. Uh, everybody's, everybody's favorite ethical former NFL quarterback. Uh, yeah, he just loves volleyball. He doesn't yeah. love it correctly. But... What if there was like a, an escapee situation like there is right now, but it was Brett Favre escaping from Mississippi uh, prison? <laughs> This is like Brett Favre in the woods from evading uh... that story is wild, by the way. Yeah, it's unreal. I don't understand how that happens. How did nobody see him on video just like climbing up there? So I got two things. One, when I was in middle school in Indiana, we used to go to places that like Indiana was expectation setting. So they'd take you like vocational schools. They'd be like, best case scenario, this is where you're going after high school. And they would do things like that. And one time we went on a field trip with vocational school and I saw a kid do exactly that and go like 25 feet up in the air of the vocational school, just like back up against the wall, feet up against the other one, shimmy all the way up. And I just watched. I was like, if he falls, I'm going to see a death. Like this kid's gonna die. <laughs> you were thinking that in the moment. Yeah, you were thinking. Yeah, what thinking else am I supposed to do? Falls. Yeah, throw rocks at him. Uh, <laughs> the other part of that trip is cool. They put a, a tennis ball on the end of a, um, a digger, and they had us move it back and forth to see if you could put the tennis ball on a cone to see if you had the skills to do heavy machinery. Nice. Um, and two, obviously, you talked to a lot of Chester County people, being from Chester County, and one of my friends took offense to the fact that New York Times referred to Chester County as like very woodsy and rural. That part of Chester County is. Yeah, it is. Southern Chester County, whole other world. Smells like poop. I thought we were talking about Brett Favre for way too long into that conversation. Yeah. Are you aware of what else is going on, Declan? (laughs) The escaped murderer from Chester County? You guys have vaguely. If he keeps keeps going, he's going to be in northern Maryland by uh, who knows when. He got to Virginia last time. Just saying. 
Johnny, any any uh, strong feelings on the escape convict anything? and anything at all? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think after add? after watching Signs that video, after watching that video of him scaling that wall, like I know he's a murderer and I know he's a terrible person. But it was just impressive. At five feet tall, this guy's legitimate. At, five feet tall, like five that's feet impressive. tall. Yeah, like, I, impressive. I was actually amazed. And yeah. like, I, like it was hard for me to be like, oh, like how how dare they let him get away? It was more like a wow, like that was in, cool. the, in that video. There's also very clearly a lookout, and that dude's probably in a hole right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> any other famous number fours there's no real good segue nick sharga nick sharga's a good one nick what else was nick sharga known for other than playing football at temple guitars very good guitarist playing um like, like enter he, sandman or whatever during practice when they would come out he was like just like ripping off like crisp power chords <laughs> that's awesome he was a what he, he transferred from the d3 level right west virginia wesleyan he followed yeah. me on Twitter once, uh, like before he got to Temple, and it said like Temple commit Nick Sharga, and I googled him. And I said this can't be real. I said they didn't take. A, I was like, we didn't take a transfer from West Virginia Wesleyan, and they did, mm-hmm. and he became a very good fullback. Any other fours? Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb. Wow. Isn't he just like? Didn't he deal with a lot of CTE? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that much about the man. Yeah, I think what, I think he retired early because he just like was having trouble just like living. Do we remember where he played his college football? Houston. Yes. I forgot. He was the Donovan McNabb uh, pick. Read a book, Declan. Right? They traded <laughs> McNabb, they got the second round pick, and they drafted Kevin Cobb. Yeah, not one of Andy's finer picks. You can't no. win them all. Yeah. No, they were uh, supposed to trade Cobb for um, a first-round pick, but the lockout happened. That first-round pick ended up becoming um, Patrick Peterson. Really? So, Yes. Who was going to give a first round pick for Kevin Cobb? The Cardinals. They still traded him to the Cardinals, but got a second in um, Dominique Rogers Camardi. It's a good, it's a good value. Yeah, it's oh. not Patrick Peterson. <laughs> no, it's not whatsoever. <laughs> they probably wouldn't. Have, they would have screwed it up. They wouldn't have drafted Patrick Peterson during that time. <laughs> they would have drafted like a rush end. We do have a lot of good stuff for you guys on the show. Again, uh, we'll review the Akron game, preview the Rutgers game, got a pretty full mailbag. Get to get to as well some on-topic stuff, some off-topic stuff in the mailbag. We'll talk briefly about this this win, this twenty-four twenty-one win over Akron. Uh, Stan Drayton apparently fired up the team at halftime, and then uh, after that, the defense shut down. Well, they did what they were supposed to do. They shut down an inferior team, they held them to what forty-one yards on offense in the second half. Didn't allow them to get past midfield. Uh, Ramirez, you talked about how Taiwan Francis could be uh, a, a tone setter. Had the potential to be a tone setter for this defense. And that's what he was on Saturday. Got that late interception to seal off the game. EJ Warner settled down in the second half after missing some open receivers in the first half, but the running game is, is still the same. Didn't get much going there. How much of that comes from the fact that they started Jackson Pruitt and Luke Watson at the guard positions. You had a true freshman there and a redshirt freshman in Jackson Pruitt Due to injuries, we'll talk about the fact that James Famineau, he's out for the year now. So that's a kind of a big blow to their depth. They're a guy that can play tackle and guard. Wisdom Corshi is going to play Saturday at Rutgers, which I think would be a, a big development for the team. Not that Wiz is an all-conference offensive lineman, but I think he's a better option right now, a guard considering the lack of experience from Luke Watson and, and Jackson Proof. Guys, takeaways from this game. 24-21, like I said, second half was a, a lot better than the first half. Don't want to dwell 
too much on this game because it's kind of old news at this point. Amir, I'll start with you. What did you see? You, you watched a little bit of film from the game and just went back and, you know, you did the, the game story for the Inquirer. So you've kind of picked apart this game. What What are your major takeaways from last Saturday? Well, they still can't run the ball, obviously. And yeah. to be honest, I think it's more of a running back problem than an offensive line problem. And we've got some audio about that. Stan Drayton talked about that, too. Yeah. Even though the offensive line wasn't great either, Sadie looks hesitant to hit certain holes. Like, you've seen it when Darvon Hubbard and E.J. Wilson got into the game immediately six yards, immediately seven yards. I think that's respectively for both Darvon Hubbard and E.J. Wilson. But just looking at Sadie run the ball, it just looks like he's a little hesitant to hit certain holes. Yeah, eight carries, 18 yards, just 2.3 yards per carry. Hubbard wasn't much better. 10 carries, 35 yards, but a little bit better. E.J. Wilson, 15 yards on three carries in limited time. But like you said, I think there was a little bit of a discernible difference there. The the drive where Darvon Hubbard started to drive, they actually got something going offensively because they were able to stay on schedule and get four, five, six yards, excuse me, on the first down carry instead of no yards, one yard, two yards. And you talked about Taiwan Francis. He's in that out position, which again is like Temple's name for that roving safety linebacker right. position. And again, that's a, that's a a big play for them. Again, DJ Irons and the Akron offense were not really moving the ball at all in the second half. It was like both the offense and the defense settled down in the second half. But what did you see from him and what did you see about how they used him in the game? Obviously made that big play, but you know he he had a bit of a reputation of a guy that could be aggressive and be a difference maker. And again, it's one week of football in, in 12 weeks, but so far so good. What did you see from him? A lot of versatility. We see him around the ball around the line of scrimmage and on his intercept. He also on the interception, you know, he was playing free safety. He also had a tackle for loss in that game. You usually don't see guys be able to play around the line of scrimmage and play deep safety. He also had a pass breakup, I believe on the drive before he probably should have picked that one off too. Mm -hmm. So just his versatility and how he's able to play around the line of scrimmage and essentially be an extra linebacker and can help in the run game and not suffice speed so they can actually run certain coverages so they can cover better, I guess. It also looked like like Dewan Black was starting as the game went on, was kind of getting there, starting to get home a little bit more, which is also obviously a, a positive sign because and it's something I want to touch on when we get into previewing the Rutgers game. Their, their front three, front four, whatever base formation they're in, this defensive line is is at least, you know, week into the season. I think we could say they're probably not going to be the group that's generating a ton of, of pressure on this defense. I don't think they're going to be reminding anybody of like the 85 Bears in terms of shutting down teams in the run game. Uh, they're not really deep there, but they're going to need to create pressure from from other areas. So whether it is Taiwan Francis, Dewan Black, uh, Leighton Jordan, Jacob Hollins, would you see from for any of you guys? Would you see from Dewan Black or anybody else that stood out to you just in terms of just making a difference on that defense, especially in the second half? He was able to get pressure without having to be manufactured pressure. You know how often you manufacture right. touches for certain guys mm-hmm. on defense. You can do the same way, whether it's with stunts, gains, simulated pressures as um, they like to do. But he was able to get pressure without that, so they were able to just you know play 
on the back end and just rushed four, and he was able to get pressure. And then they started to add in more more stunts, more games, and it ended up getting a sack from Leighton Jordan later in the game. Kyle, Declan, Johnny, what do you attribute the uh, Max actually? I think asked Stan on Monday about the slow start. You know, and, he, and Stan talked about it being a, a mindset as much as anything else. What do you guys attribute the slow start to in the first half? Just standard first week. Again, not like we were expecting this to be a 10-win team that was going to be a finely tuned machine on offense. But obviously, again, they, they fall behind. EJ Warner, who had a, a probably as decent or as good of a year as he could as a true freshman, a quarterback, missed a share of open receivers in the first half, settled down the second half. What do you guys attribute that slow start to in the first half? I think it was a combination of it being – the first game of the year. And also I think Akron with that first drive touchdown kind of caught them off guard a little bit and made them think twice. And I think the, like Drayton had mentioned how he had, how he had to kind of chew into the guys in the locker room. I think that was what really woke them up and brought them back to the team that we thought they were going to be. I think, I think it was just a combination of it being the first game of the year and that first Akron touchdown, like kind of caught them off guard. Yeah, I think that's good. And then just from a football perspective, I also think getting Brahas back in the second half helped a bit. I mean, Melvin Siani, 37 snaps, he gave up six pressures on 27 pass block attempts. So like one of every four times he was getting beat to the point that EJ had to get rid of the ball. Uh, I mean, Brahas didn't like, he, I don't think he reminded anybody of an NFL player out there, but he was at least like serviceable. And in a line that at one point was starting or playing, like you said, three freshmen that had never taken a snap of college football before, I think just getting an older guy, a Juco guy back uh, helps. Because that's, that's why Corshield helped this week, where it's like Wiz isn't necessarily uh, Brandon Brooks out there, but like he's played a lot of college football, and I think that should help. Mir, you had, you were we were talking earlier in the week. You had the chance to, to to focus in on Luke Watson, and again, not surprisingly, again his name came up a lot in the preseason, which is good. But he's a he's a true freshman who hasn't had the benefit of an offseason program. And and you were mentioning to us that it just he was getting moved off the ball a lot. How is that not surprising to you about what what you expected? And um, I'm also curious as to like where Wiz slots in the lineup if he steps in and plays for. Uh, in the spot where Watson is or if, we, if they slide him in in terms of where um, Jackson Pruitt was? First two plays weren't good, like, at all. Like, he, <laughs> the first two plays on offense was, I believe, a run up the middle. No, it was a pass. I think they started off with a pass. And immediately EJ was pressured, and the pressure came from that tackle that was lined up over Watson. And on the second – the second play was a run to the right, I believe, um, Sadie – he's lucky he didn't go to the left because if it went to the left, it would have lost yards instead of being a no yard gain like it was. So his first couple snaps weren't great. And the rest of the game was, he got better. You know, you get, you get better as the game goes along, but it still wasn't, you know, like perfect, I guess, but he has a lot to do, but I think they keep him in, in the lineup. And I think Jackson Pruitt is the guy they moved to the bench because I, I feel like, I feel like they talked so much about Luke Watson during the during the um, offseason that that's his spot. Anything to do maybe with like size, wingspan from from Luke Watson in terms of being a little bit more of like now. Granted, Jackson Pruitt's a little bit of, might be a stronger, heavier guy, but in terms of height, arm length, and stuff like that, is that why you think Luke Watson might be a better fit there, guard? No, not necessarily. I just think they like him better. Mm-hmm. I think they like him more than they do Jackson Pruitt. 
Any other I mean, rights? In, oh, in, in fairness, in fairness, Jackson Pruitt's a redshirt freshman. Right, so like, right. I don't think we can, despite Javon spending the last year claiming he was five foot seven. Um, he's, <laughs> I mean, he was a pretty big recruit too. So I think the fact that he redshirts like you're, like you're supposed to do in a real program, I think it's rare that you see offensive linemen kind of plug in and play as true freshmen, despite what Luke Watson's doing. I think the fact that he got a start as a redshirt freshman in the season over, I'm not ready to write off Jackson Pruitt, but I would agree right. with, I think. I think Wiz takes a Pruitt spot. And before we move on to the Rutgers game, any discernible? Obviously, look, hey, they're one and zero, better than being home one. Put like any other discernible bright spots that came out of Saturday for you guys. You made adjustments at halftime that held the Joe Moorhead offense to like forty some yards in the second mm-hmm. half. And yeah. I don't care if it's I made I made this exact same joke on another podcast I did this morning. I don't care if it's the five of us lining up at wide receiver and it's Joe Moorhead offense. Like he's one of the best offensive minds in the country. So, yeah. I mean, tip of the hat to Everett Withers in the second half. Like, they made adjustments and they made plays to the point that they just shut down that offense. Mm-hmm. And I apologize in advance if anybody's already said this and I missed it, but I feel like Jalen McMurray played really well as well. Like, that was a good thing to see, you know, the shutdown corner on the team was doing his job. He was getting – he had, like, more than a few pass breakups in some pretty big scenarios as well, especially on third down. So, to see him kind of anchor – the secondary that also gave up some big plays, like no question about it, but to see him play well, I think is a promising sign for this weekend. And I think that's a promising sign for the season. Cause I think with the defensive line they have, and they're going to have to send extra guys to get pressure. They're going to put their corners out on an Island a lot. So McMurray and Hill need to be able to, to be serviceable in that position. And to McMurray's credit, he's been doing that for over a year now. Let's, uh, oh, let's... just, just put stats with it. Targeted five times, yeah. give up two catches for 16 yards. Yeah. Pretty good. Bad. Yeah. Um, let's look at this Rutgers game Saturday. So again, as we're recording on Thursday, Temple's a, a nine and a half point underdog right now. Game kicks off at 7.30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. As we talked about, Diego Braha should be back. Wisdom Corsi should be back. Ian Stewart's expected to play. Uh, mentioned earlier that James Famine was up for the year. Again, that's a little bit of a blow to their depth for a guy that's played both guard and tackle. Um, I don't know. Am I the, the only guy that thinks that this is not, you know, Rutgers beats Northwestern last week, 24 to seven credit to them. They shut them out for almost the, the entire day with the exception of a, a very late touchdown, but not a lot of explosive plays on, on either side of the ball. Um, we've been talking a lot about the offensive line. Does it, does it come down to them on, on Saturday? To be fair, I think the lack of explosive plays from a Rutgers perspective was by design. Right. I think they got up early and Kirk Rock just said like, 14, let's grind this out. Uh, there yeah. was a stat that they, they didn't have a drive longer than like 11 plays last year. And then their first two drives of that game were at like 14 and 16. Like they just went down the field. Uh, I think Rutgers' offensive line is pretty mediocre, if not bad. I just think that Temple's going to have, like you said, I think they're going to have trouble running the ball. I think if Temple's able to like get 115, 130 yards out of their ground game somehow, which they haven't been able to do in six, seven games since the USF game, mm-hmm. uh, then they have like a fighting chance in this. But I think when you're playing up a level, like you're playing a big 10 team, that's like the hardest thing to do is run the ball um, successfully. So that, that would be real, my concern. Real quick, that, that offensive line you're talking about. So Curtis Dunlap is a, is a senior bowl watch list guy. Holland Pierce is a senior bowl watch list guy. You know, Pierce stop, is- stop, stop, stop. That means their SID filled out the proper right, paperwork. Right, right. But I'm talking about on on a on an offensive line that they're they're two of their better offensive linemen. 
Uh, Pierce is a big dude at 6'8", 345. The rest of the guys, Tyler Needham, uh, Gus uh, Zelensky at center, and then uh, Quabina, uh Asamoa, those guys are a lot a lot more short on on experience, and that might be an area where they can exploit them. But as we've been talking about, you know, Alan Hay, Jacob Hollins, this isn't like, you know, although Darian Varner did not play. He was basically like to, he was like, like a, to borrow a hockey term, a healthy scratch last week <laughs> at, at Wisconsin. So, I mean, you lose him, but um, again, it's, it's, it's one week, but yeah, I mean, Kyle, it seems like you're saying like, it comes a, a lot down to that. Temple's offensive line, Rutgers' offensive line. I know it sounds super, super cliche. The game mm-hmm. comes down to the to the trenches, but do you think they would? And for any of you guys, if you want to answer this, do you think if if the run game's not working early, you think they abandon it and say, okay, let's try to dump off the ball to Sadie. Let's try to get in Stewart open. Do you think they kind of, especially on the road, and say we're going to have to throw the ball to win here? I have I have thirteen games worth of. Danny Langsdorf offenses to tell me that's exactly what they'll do. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't get the run ball, if the run game going, they just, they basically turn the dink and dunk and screen game into their run game. Like that's why EJ Warner throws the ball 55 times a game in certain games is because half of those are essentially runs. Mm-hmm. In that it, Stan Drayton was asked about the offensive line on Monday and all things considered. I, he said he was pleased with what he saw from Jackson Pruitt, Luke Watson and Melvin Siani. Here's a clip of, of Stan talking about, about those guys and what they contributed last week. That's a position that's going to be a work in progress. We expect those guys to continue to get better as the season goes. Uh, solid play. Didn't give up a sack. You know, uh, wasn't a whole lot of negative plays on offense. I know we sput and spattered, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot happening in the backfield, right? So you got to give them some credit that way. Um, some young guys like uh, Jackson Pruitt and Luke Watson, you know, uh, Melvin Siani, those guys played a lot of football on Saturday, and it's their first time playing college football, and they didn't flinch. So I'm very encouraged about their future and how we'll progress as an offensive line with those guys being in the fold. That's another thing. Stan Dre mentioned this. Dave Martin Robinson mentioned it. Talked about something that Kyle just touched on a couple minutes ago, that that Rutgers, uh, more so on the offensive side of the ball we were talking about before in terms of like explosive plays, but on both sides – Rutgers really didn't do anything too exotic, no explosive plays. Again, do you guys think that's just, I mean, Greg Schiano, I mean, is it fair to say, I mean, he's kind of coaching for his job this season. So on one hand, I wouldn't think like, okay, I'm just going to save everything for our, the the meat of our big 10 schedule. But do you think that was a situation where like they got up early and they're like, Hey, we don't really need to open up the, the, the playbook too much because Stan had said, you know, Hey, like they just, they stuck to what they did. Well, they were pretty physical. David Martin Robinson said, yeah, we don't have too much film on them, but yeah, like they stuck to at least on defense from what we can see on film, a lot of their base stuff. Do you think that is a, a an example of like, we're up, let's just keep steadying the boat here. I hate to quote Steve Adazio, but you think we see them unfold a little bit more stuff from the playbook this week? Depends on, you know, Game. Time situation, yeah. yeah it, it depends on what's going on. If they go up big again, it's like they don't have to. But if third quarter, one score game, three point game, or something like that, and nothing is really working, they might have to. Mm-hmm. Another guy that played well, relatively well, and again, if you were, I, I was out with with COVID, so I was watching the game at home. I, I feel like every time Dante Atten's name came up, that uh, ESPN broadcast like this is his first 
football game, which which it was. But that did you know that EJ Warner is Kurt Warner's son? Had no idea. <laughs> no idea. No clue. No idea. Just also Temple gives single week. digits out to their toughest guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> another thing. It's another. I had to well, add that to the list. Deep track there. <laughs> um, Dante Atten's fifty-three yard punt down to the Akron four that that set up the series where Taiwan Francis you know picked off DJ Irons really seal off the game. Um, kind of maybe just like a a little bit of an underrated play there. And and Dante Atten was one of the guys who spoke on Tuesday with Jacob Hollins with Dave, Dave Martin Robinson. Uh, I just asked him a little bit about that kick and then what he sees from, from Rutgers. And, and here's a clip from our conversation there from Tuesday. With that kick, I knew that it was an instrumental kick. I needed to do my job in order to help the team. And, you know, looking back at it now, it was purely an instinct situation because I saw what I saw with the rush and I was just like, I better get this off and I need to place it in a good spot. And God willing it, went where it needed to go and Taiwan ran it out at the fourth thing. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was very um, good on their behalf as well and the team's behalf as well. It, it, looking at Rutgers, they, I mean, they won 24 to seven, not a ton of explosive plays and offense, defense, and on special teams. What's it like now two weeks into the season, kind of just breaking down film of opponents and looking at what they do in terms of like their tendencies and how they set up returns, uh, anything that Rutgers does that's, a little different against one week of film, but uh, anything yeah. different than what Akron was doing? Um, for me, it's just, it's still, um, a lot of it is still learning what I need to do in certain situations. So it's not more so um, about ruck is this and ruck is that. It's more when I'm in this situation, this is what I need to do. So that's what Coach Bruno and Coach Shai have been drilling into me, that it's a lot, a lot of the punting uh, scheme is 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 based on what my decision is. So that's what I've been focusing on this week. Uh, special teams wise, again, like good start for Dante Atten. Camden Price hit a forty yarder, missed a thirty yarder. Did not happen to see that exact kick. I, don't, I can't remember how bad of a miss it was. Any concerns there? Or do you just shrug that off as like uh, stuff happens from a place kicker? I think I'm just shrugging it off, kind of not really looking too much into it. I think I believe he missed it wide right, if I remember correctly. We were up in the press box, so it's kind of hard to see how far right. But um, I think it was one of those first game things. I'm not really too worried about Price going for. I mean, he hit the 40 yarder that mattered at the end of the first half. Not to worry about Camden Price. Still worried about punt returns. Yeah, I know. Like Rod Carey got a lot of like guff about that, and like rightfully so. But like. Under the San Drain era, they haven't had a punt return or finish with positive yards since the right. Memphis game. It's been mm-hmm. like eight straight games of just like track catches or negative one yard returns. I don't yeah. know what's going on there. I don't know if that's by design, if they just wanted them to be safe. Maybe they were hurt by the Amadi Anderson experience in the beginning where he was botching uh, catches a lot, but it's just not a weapon in the last like four years worth of double football. Yeah. Prediction time, guys. Declan, I'm going to start with you. We haven't heard from you in a while. On the Temple News, we we do this thing where we call it spoiler alert, right? And uh, we, I predicted at the beginning of the season that Temple won this, would win this game. And I'm going to stick with it. Hmm. I think it'll be like two or three points, though. I think it'll be, it'll come right down to the end, and a lot of things will have to go well for it to happen. But I think uh, just for the sake of my own prediction. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. I think Temple wins, and I'll say something like twenty seven, uh, twenty four. Okay. We got we got a full, a full mailbag, like I said, where we got a, a few more questions about Saturday's game. So we'll talk in a little bit more detail there. But Declan's got him 27-24. Brian Mir, we'll go to you next. Yeah, I, I, they have to be able to run the ball, and I don't think they'll be able to run the ball. You cannot do what you did against Akron and expect it to be the same thing against Rutgers. I had them. I was. I said if they want to make a bowl game, they have to steal a game from somebody. They have to go out there and they have to win a game. And I said that this was going to be the game that they win. I'm not sticking with that prediction. Mm-hmm. I, I think they lose because I, I don't see them being able to generate any kind of offense on the ground. So predictions-wise, maybe, I don't know. 28, 13. Hmm. Johnny, what do you have? Then I'll go to Kyle next. Uh, for me, I same as Declan at the Temple News, we kind of predicted the season uh, of, at the beginning of the year. I predicted that Temple was going to win this game. I'm going to stick with it. I, I I agree with Ramir that Temple can't do what they did against Akron. And that specifically, I think, is start out slow, regardless of if they run the ball or not. I think you just have to – on offense, you can't start slow against Rutgers or you have no shot. So I think if they can get out, or if they could score points early, I think that'd be huge for them. And I think uh, they'll be able to do that. I have them winning 28-21 over Rutgers. Mm. Kyle, do you agree with that assessment that like you can't start slow against Rutgers? Or is that like... Yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, it's a, it's a Saturday night game. It's a blackout. I mean, I'm not trying to set the stage that it's Death Valley or anything, but like you're on the road. It should be a pretty well attended, if not sold out game. I mean, Rutgers fans have kind of rallied behind this new era of Greg Schiano. Um, I think if you start off slow and you kind of like, whether that's inner, whether that's a turnover or whether that's like three straight three and outs, I think that just kind of like fuels the crowd. And then you're talking about relatively inexperienced offensive line, dealing with more noise and blah, blah. Obviously it benefits tumble to start fast. The over under on this, I think is 44. Um, I think Temple loses this game. I, I kind of just feel like they're not going to be able to run the ball. And mm-hmm. I feel like you need to be able to run the ball. I just kind of envision every time, basically like last year, where they're going to need to get a stop too on defense and they're not going to be able to. That's when you'll see Rutgers offense all of a sudden go like six yards, eight yards, four yards, six yards, mm-hmm. eight yards, and just kind of drain the clock. I'll say 28-17, a sneaky overcover, but 28-17 Rutgers. Mm. I feel like this game might be a little bit more ugly. I think Temple's going to lose this 20 to 17. I think you'll see some flashes, but. Um, oh, so just the jet game itself is ugly, but the results just a three point loss. Yeah, just, okay. like, just some sloppy play on both, on, you know, from both teams. And uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, I like, yeah, it's not exactly profound to say that, that Temple's going to struggle to, to run the ball, but I, I think both of these programs are still kind of, feeling themselves out after after one week I could see Temple hanging in there and then just not being able to to make a play down the stretch and Rutgers uh winning on a a late field goal 20 to 17 so I guess that would be the the under on the over under there um let's look to the mailbag again we can talk in more um in more detail about the game here we got some good questions here the first one from Twitter is from uh Detroit Al against Akron 
Ed say you struggled to advance the ball after the initial hit. Is that an offensive line issue or running back issue? We need to be able to run the ball. So we'll react to that in a second. We have a clip from Stan Drayton talking about that on Monday about just that subject, needing more out of his running backs. Yeah, you know, not not as bad as I thought. You know, I think our running backs need to run heavy. You know, there's there's some some opportunity uh, to get some yards and some situations where it may be cloudy, little dirty runs here and there. You know, uh, it's not going to be perfect. They can't sit there and wait for a bunch of space, and they can't expect to get a bunch of space against a Rutgers defense either. But they've got to be able to play behind their pads, be decisive behind the backfield, and go hit it and give us some positive yards and try to keep us on schedule. All right, so we talked about that earlier at the outset of the show, and I think we kind of answered this already. Yeah, the the offensive line certainly needs to play better. We're not breaking any news there, but is that an offensive line issue or a running back issue? I think we know that the perfect answer to it is it's a little bit of both, but how would you guys weigh in on this? It seems to be that it's not, you know, Stan just said it there. They're going to, they, they need to get some ugly runs. Not everything's going to be clean. You guys agree with that? Where like, they got to be able to run through contact and they're not going to have like an NFL offensive line blocking ahead of them. Yes. They, <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to have these two yard holes, these two yard wide holes that they could just run through. They're they're going to have to finish some runs if they want to, you know, actually sustain a run game. They're going to have to pick up extra yards when they come in contact with somebody. Yards after contact is going to be very big for them this week. It's going to be very big for them this whole season. So if they're hitting a hole and getting met, they have to finish the run. They can't just, you know, go backwards. Mm-hmm. Second part of – Sorry, real quick with that. Oh, yeah, sure. I think a lot of it's another word safety problem. Yes, I, I, think, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think Romero talked about that earlier where, like, when Hubbard got in, you saw more things, and the stats back them up. I mean, Sadie averaged one yard after contact per carry. Like – that's unacceptable. I mean, yeah. Darvon Hubbard, 3.2 yards of contact after carry. EJ Wilson, obviously a much smaller sample size, four yards after contact per carry. It literally seemed like when Sadie got hit, that's the end of Sadie's run. So mm-hmm. that has to change. I mean, for a guy that's supposed to be a single digit, it's supposed to be one of the toughest people on the team, you can't fall down and crumble every time you get touched. Yeah. Um, second mailbag question here from the Twitter handle off the hook three. It's a two-parter. How are you feeling after the Akron game? Better or worse than before the season started? Uh, Declan, we'll start with you on this. Probably worse. I mean, the offense looked really flat um, in the, in that first half, and we talked about it. Like, they responded really well, but um, there were still opportunities down the field, especially, that were missed uh, that I don't feel super great about, especially with the Akron secondary not being, you know, as on the level of some secondaries that Temple will play later in the year. And maybe that's just some first-game jitters, but... I don't feel good about the run game necessarily either. I like we have always we've already talked about. I just I guess overall I feel good about like the energy of the team and like the fight that they showed in the second half. I just don't feel good about necessarily how some of the pieces came together. Johnny, feel better, worse, about the same. I sound like an eye doctor. Better, worse, about the same. Which one? One, two. One, two. <laughs> yes. Uh, for me, I'm probably right around Declan. I think uh, th- there were some encouraging things to see. I think Dante Wright was one of them. He had a uh, solid get- first game for the Owls. Not much so from the punt return side, but more on the offensive side was led the Owls in receiving yards. But I think just c- kind of like Declan mentioned, like the the 
fight in the team and the, the culture that they showed like is good. But the way that some of the pieces came together in the first half on the field was not very encouraging and not what I was expecting to see. So I think uh, probably a little worse. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried, but I'm not feeling the same that I was going into the year. I'm here. Worse. It's it's like teetering from like about the same to worse because I didn't expect them to come in there and, you know, like, what's the word? I'm blanking. Um, Raw them. Yeah. But the way they started off just doesn't encourage me at all because you're playing, you're not playing Akron every week. You might get lucky against a team like, you know, Norfolk State, but you're going to have to play AAC competition. You you play Miami in three weeks. You, you, you're not going to be able to get away with that, like playing certain teams that they play this year. And they play a lot of really good a- AAC teams, American teams as well. UTSA is really good. North Texas is really good. Memphis is always – Oh, my fault. North, North Texas is very bad this year, I think. But, yes, oh, the point's well, the same. They weren't bad last year. They were seven and six, I think. Yeah. Now that's not bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> point point still point still remains the same. Like they 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 play a lot of really good programs this right. year. And you have to beat up on teams like Akron and they didn't do that. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I'd echo most of what Ramirez said. I I'm like I'm not all of a sudden thinking they're gonna go one and eleven. Like I don't mm-hmm. think the season's a loss or anything, but I don't think you can with the podcast I did earlier today, they they were basically like, are you willing to like, look past the first half and not and like discount it? I'm like, I don't think you should discount it. I mean, it's 50% of the football they've played so far this year that they looked bad. Like they looked um, just lackadaisical, not really able to get into get, move the ball they wanted to. I do think there's some credit to making those adjustments at halftime and, and basically dominating the second half. But it's not like they dominated to the tune of 28 nothing in the second half. Right. They just scored 14 points and shut down their deep offense. I am willing to give them a little bit of uh, like this next game is going to dictate how I feel about the rest of the season. Because if they go out and they start hot against Rutgers and they beat Rutgers, or even if they just look good against Rutgers, then that probably gets me back to my initial feeling. But right now it's like, yeah, half this at halftime, you could have convinced me that this was a three win team again because they just looked bad. And then they came out in the second half and showed some fight. So mm-hmm. And also, I mean, I don't know if that's first game jitters. I don't know if that's you came out to 1,100 people in the stands. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. But for one reason or the other, like, at a program like Temple, it's always going to have to be your energy has to come from within the locker room. Right. Like, I don't think you can rely on, on uh, feeding off the fans. So uh, I will be curious to see so how So what you're looks. saying is we're still dealing with a fan base that loves to complain about things but doesn't love showing up to games. I mean, in fairness, they've gone through like three years of terrible football. Right. Right. Like it's, it's been a lot of things have happened at Temple in the last three years. And not the least of them is the football team fell off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. So like it was always a fickle fan base. I mean, even when they had some good teams in the Mac, people weren't showing up to those games. Uh, it was just kind of like buoyed by the rule years. So now we'll, we'll see. Like if they beat Rutgers, they're all of a sudden going to be 30,000 people against Norfolk. <laughs> no, no, they're still going to be friends and family. Um, I'm feeling about the same. I, I wouldn't discount the first half. I, I'm mildly impressed with the fact that they did adjust in the second half, did what they were supposed to do. 
I know that there were some people out there saying, oh, DJ Irons has great arm talent. Maybe he's on the, the radar of some NFL teams. I didn't see that at all. He's had surgery on both shoulders. Yeah. I which mean, is not ideal for a quarterback. No, no. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll give them their due credit for, for settling down in the second half because that could have gone off the rails. And then you're sitting at 0-1 saying, okay, Rutgers is coming off a 24-7 win. Maybe the only guaranteed win in this non-conference slate is against Norfolk State. So I feel about the same. I don't, I don't like, like Ramirez said, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to route Akron. The first half was kind of unwatchable. They settled down the second half. So I'm feeling about the same. Question number two from Off the Hook 3. If Blank has an all-world performance, Temple will probably win the game, not including EJ Warner. Uh, Mir, I'll start with you. If Give me a player that would have, if you see him having an all-world performance to, to lift Temple to win on Saturday. Like realistically or? You do, you do whatever you want to do here with this. Yeah, realistically. Let's grab ourselves in reality. If, if SAD has a big game, they, they the offense is moving, they're, they're – They'll score some points. Like, if Ed Sadie has a big game, they'll probably win this game. Obviously, Ed Sadie's probably one of the more uh, um, key answers. I think, I think for me, maybe if like a, like a Dante Wright goes for like, I know I mentioned him already before, but goes for like 150 yards and like two touchdowns or something, I think he could be, um, if he has an all world performance, I think he could also be a game changer. Declan? No, I'd say Kyle Williams. Well, he might not even play. He didn't even suit up last week. I was going to say Ian Stewart, actually. Thank you very much. Um, if Ian Stewart can be big on the outside, that'll hopefully open up lanes for guys like Dante Wright. Maybe the tight ends as well. If you noticed last weekend, getting the tight ends involved helped move the ball. Maybe they'll keep doing that again this week. But I think Ian Stewart in his first game of the year, if he has a big game, that'll be big for that offense. I'll say Diego Barajas. I'll say, I mean, I think they got solid, if not good, protection from Vic- Victor Stoffel and Rich Rodriguez, who I'm refusing to call Richard because I'm going to go with Rich Rodriguez, the old football coach. Uh, if they can all of a sudden add, like, okay, this is just like a world beater of a left tackle out there, and EJ Warner all of a sudden has – he averaged 2.23 seconds per throw against Akron. He had 2.23 seconds to get the ball out of his hands. If he has the ability to actually kind of, like, go through his progression and scan it, I think – That'd be huge. So I'll say Diego Brahas. I'm going to go with someone on the other side of the ball just to be a little different. I'll go with Jordan McGee. I don't know exactly how they're going to play Gavin Wimsat, but if if someone like Jordan can blow up a couple of plays where, you know, again, Rutgers did not run the ball well last week either. They didn't necessarily have to, but they didn't. Real quick, sorry. Northwestern might be the worst Power 5 team in the nation. They're they're bad. So – Right, inability to run against them is not good. Right, right. So, if Gavin Wimsett's got to run the ball more, and somebody like Jordan McGee kind of blows him up or forces a turnover and makes him think twice, then then they can hang around in this game. Granted, they got to score points, but I think somebody that can disrupt him and kind of just get them feeling a little shaky uh, could be could be the difference in the game. Uh, next mailbag question here comes from the message board. The screen name is Temple Fan Al. Do any of the current students on the pod know what's going on with the Cherry Crusade? No buses to the Rutgers game, but having a watch party instead. That I've only seen Rimeer. four Cherry Crusade people in my life. And I don't know. <laughs> I know that there's a Twitter account. Like that. That's no shade. You know, if there are more people, 
Sorry. You know, no offense, but I, I don't know. I couldn't name you a single person in it right now. Donnie, Ramirez, anything on this? You're not plugged in with the, the Cherry Crusade this year? I tried to get our hours in WHIP's um, pre-have post-show there at the watch party, but they haven't hit me back. So, no, I don't know nothing about it. Mm. That's disappointing. Yes, I think they want a little attention. You would think. Right? Because right? didn't they rent out? You said somewhere in Star, right? It's in the, the indoor field. Maybe mm. you just show up. Set up, set up your quick, set up some equipment there. <laughs> They'll we'll be see. all right. Did they just do a bus trip? To the, like they didn't do a bus trip in 2021, did they? Not that I'm aware of. Mm, I feel like the Cherry Crusade know. disappeared for like 18 months, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And like yeah. like 2020, yes. 2021, I feel like that Twitter 18? account was, was 18 gone. 18 months? Because <laughs> mm. I don't know, Kyle. Mm. It might be longer. Mm. Mm. We'll try to we'll try to get Temple Fan out. We'll try to get more of a, a discernible response from. Please vocalize all upset cherry crusaders please tweet at Declan landis i welcome it <laughs> and what I is that twitter it. handle again Declan? was that my twitter handle i think yes. it's just at Declan landis you yeah. think i Declan think i don't adonis landis <laughs> <laughs> Declan, mr universe landis the the next question is also from our message board the screen name is malenko it's a two-parter question number one if army joins the american athletic conference for football only would the league be able to lure VCU for basketball slash other sports like Navy and Wichita State? Kyle, I'll go to you on this one first. Let me dial up Mike Oresco. I mean, I think so. <laughs> like, despite what John Rothstein says, I mean, like the A-10 is essentially a one or two bid league. Mm-hmm. Adding VCU to the AAC, even with SMU leaving, they'd be a better basketball conference. Um, geographically, I think the AAC makes a lot of sense to them too. Like they'd be around DCU, they'd be around Charlotte. Like they're not far from those things. Um, money wise, makes a lot of sense. I, I, I mean, if you could tell me right now that you could add Army for football only and VCU for everything else, I think that's a no pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, I, I actually, I mean, I've really heard anything like that. Like you've heard the Army thing. I forget which article there was CBS or the Athletic this morning mentioned that like they kicked the tires a little bit on App State as, App State as well. Um, but you haven't really heard about like if they add Army, would they also add a basketball team? So what they added, what they said, like we want to go East. We're not going to go West. We don't want to add Washington State and Oregon State. They add Army and then they add Gonzaga for basketball. <laughs> that would be huge. Bring them all over. <laughs> this one school has to fly in. <laughs> well, that would, uh, that'd be something. Uh, I also, I mean, I, I still think JMU is a no brainer too, but I, they tend to not agree with me on that one. Yeah. And they've made progress in, in football too. So in one year, uh, for sure. Sure. But uh, question number two, kind of going along with that, who would you add to the American if Army doesn't join or the league expands to 16 teams? Hopefully Temple would push for additions closer to the Northeast. How much, I mean, the, Kyle, you mentioned App State. I, I don't, I can't say I have sources down there. I would think if App State could maybe potentially hang around. The issue is then you have what? You have three schools in North Carolina. Right. Which is not Texas. It's North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that would be a concern. I think, I know people have been like, well, what about SMU? Or not SMU. Hey, what about SMU? I know people (laughs) are like, what about uh, UMass and Buffalo? Like they're near Temple. I don't think Mike Oresco or the American Athletic Conference gives one crap about helping Temple out with like a traveling partner. Or anything, anything in general, period. I think the Army thing is a pure coincidence. I think they like the idea of adding a prestigious academic institution that has a bit of a national following, is better in football. Like I think it has nothing to do with Temple. 
Um, so I don't think you have to like focus necessarily on those, like the immediate region around Temple. I think JMU, I think App State, our good friend Varun mentioned Georgia State to me, um, which I told him I have no qualms about going back to Turner Field. So that's fine with me. Uh, like I think, I think it is important to remember that the American is a ESPN conference and the Sun Belt is an ESPN conference. So I don't know if ESPN is necessarily on board with like, yeah, take, take these guys from the Sun Belt. And that really limits the pool. Um, so I'll say JMU, even though they are in the Sun Belt. Anybody else have any strong thoughts on this? Declan, Mir? No. 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 Declan, where is App State? You said it's in North Carolina, right? Boone, North Carolina. Yeah. I don't know. I I call you Jordan. Declan, where is Liberty? (laughs) Liberty? That's somewhere in PA, isn't it? No. Is it in Ohio? No. Not the school's finest hour. Johnny, save us. Is it like in Virginia? Yes. Yes. I Because I, I remember that from when I covered field hockey last year because Liberty is also in the big Lynchburg, East. Virginia. Yes. Yeah. I yes. think Lee, I, I think uh, Lehigh, I think Liberty has kind of made their bed with a lot of their off the field institutional decisions that will prevent yeah. them from ever joining a conference like the American. But yeah. <laughs> I think SMU is, look, I think SMU has proven that all you need is a billionaire behind you and you can just join whatever conference you want. So maybe there's a billionaire out there. Boosting up uh, Bloomsburg. That's in <laughs> Bloomsburg. That inspired a couple of nasty think pieces out there about SMU. It's like, oh, you shouldn't just be able to rely on money to make things work in these situations. Like, well, that's exactly what. It's exactly what they did. And it's exactly what worked. I, I know, like yeah. he said it just to like be like a dick, but like the billionaire's quote of it's just a couple hundred million dollars. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Wild. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a, nothing to me. It's just like the GDP. It's like the, it's just the GDP of a number of developing nations. But yeah, uh, it's uh, just incredible to be able to to say that he's he, just like an old oiled man. He's not even an old oils man. He discovered oil in 2013 in yeah. Alaska. Yeah. Um, finish things out here real quick. Our friend Pat Egan from 97.5 The Fanatic is back in the mailbag, and he's got his his classic two parter here. First one, has your win total for the season adjusted at all after week one? I really didn't see the team I thought I'd get, which is on me. I have to look in the mirror and do some self-reflecting. <laughs> but for you, the experts, the folks that get people going, are you more optimistic or less optimistic? Uh, excuse me, less optimistic. Asking for a guy that took the Owls over five wins this season. Uh, I, I, Like I said earlier, I don't. I'm not really moved too much in, in either direction. I still think that you could be relatively safe, Pat, taking the – the over, but I'll I'll get out of the way and uh, let you guys chime in on this. Yeah, I think six and six is still on the table. I choose to believe that the team that showed up in the second half will be the team that shows up for the rest of the season. I think if that happens, six and six is definitely still on the table, but I could see where you'd be wary, you know? You'd be a little more pre- cautious. Did you predict a five-game losing streak, too? I did. They win the first three <laughs> games of the year, then they go on a five-game losing streak, and then balance it out, and it gets to six and six. And Which is honestly wow. probably, it's probably right around my prediction for the Eagles, too. There you go. Mm. They're, hot. They're going to lose like three or four in a row, and then they'll be fine. It just takes one to flip the switch, you know, and, and they get that. I forget. He doesn't exactly even know what, what he's doing play. there, John. He doesn't even know what the flip the switch was about. <laughs> We talked, no, about, we talked flip, about it a couple weeks ago. I educated them about the flip the switch thing. It kind of blew their mind. Where it is like the on switch? The scoop. That's what you guys should spend your time on. What happened to the switch? 
that would be a great like enterprise take. Like, remember piece. when they took down the Paterno statue and like Aubrey Snyder did like a "Where's the statue?" They like <laughs> investigated journalism. You should do that with the switch. Where's this? It, it does not feel at all the same. No, because yeah, one one you know boosted a terrible person to a statue, and the other one is an awesome switch that you flip up and down. <laughs> I could totally see that thing being like in a, in like behind a stairwell on EO. That got like left out in the rain and got rained on one time and just. Because of the crappy cardboard it was constructed of just dissolved. That's what I, happened to the switch. I need to ask Ryan Roder, who's now the wide receivers coach at Lafayette, who was the GA at the time, what GA was responsible for like paper paper macheing that thing together that week. Like I was like, uh, I need you to I need you to make a switch and I need it in twenty seven minutes. <laughs> Good talk, guys. Good talk. Go to uh Michael's, it's a craft place. That they know me there. Use my account. I totally see that happening. Anybody else want to chime in on Pat's question here? Anybody still seeing them same, different, chiming in on this again? One of the the best couple teams I've ever seen with these weary eyes barely beat UMass and lost to Army in week one of 2016. So it's hard for me to put like too much emphasis on where they were over one game. I'll have a better idea after this game. Second part of Pat's question and what are some of your sure do's and don'ts? Would this question have been better suited for May? Yes. Were mistakes made? Yes. But I'm in Ocean City now, and I'm curious from the experts, the folks who get people going, what is your go-to and what's the place you, you're staying away from? Uh, I had written down for Pat here since he's in Ocean City and was there not long ago. The Sandwich Bar at 32nd and Asbury, very good lobster roll, very good chicken cutlet sandwich. So I would I would definitely check that out. Johnny, you're a big shore guy. Yeah. I, I, take, I, us, take, us part, bit, take us a little bit farther south. He's, he's North Wildwood guy, right? You, you uh, know, yes. the Duns family well, a lot. Yes, I'm with the Duns. I go with them all the time. I stay at their house. Um, I mean, obviously, I think one of the go-to places down there that is Max Pizza. That's like one of my favorite places to eat pizza from. Um, there's also this one restaurant called, uh, dog tooth. We don't, we haven't gone there very recently, but it's a very good, like pub kind of like bar has like bar food, um, has a very good burger. Um, don't, I I've stopped going to the boardwalk at night just because it's, it's crazy down there at this point. Like it, it's not even worth going the amount of craziness that happens there. Me or Declan, anything? Declan, you want to d- d- chime in on the Delaware beaches, the Maryland beaches? What's going on in Dewey, Declan? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. We were always a uh, Cape Henlopen. Um, that's or... not a real place. Cape Henlopen? That's where Caden lives. You've never lives. heard of Cape Henlopen? That's where Caden lives. Yeah, I must have missed the on CNN the popping Cape Henlopen up there. Like, you remember that? Heard. No, you remember that viral video of Joe Biden falling off the bike? Yes, that was the way that, that was. was Cape I thought that was like Rehoboth. No, that was Cape Henlopen. Mm. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm mistaken, though. See, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to do them any good, right? That's not the shore down there. That's the beach. You know, I've never really been. I went to it. Long Beach Island one time. That was a LBI. Yeah. Uh, my wife's family is LBI people. I was a Margate person growing up. And Margate is pretty much just like Ventura's, the dairy bar, and like a bunch of people yelling about their coastline being 
protected by dunes. So like there's not as many restaurants and bars and stuff in Margate. So I don't have many. My dudes are not. So my first read this question was like, what do you do when you go to the shore? Like, what do you not do? Not like go in places like where tips and Pat from one young father to another, I will tell you just bring so much shade with you. So much shade umbrellas, the pop-up tents, the things that the wind puts over. You can't have enough. They will lose their damn mind. Otherwise. One part of the Kyle Kyle Gauss uh, bachelor party experience started in uh, Margate. That's true. Ended up in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. Mir, any any? Are you a beach guy? A young no? a young Corey Yeoman was there. A young Corey Yeoman. Let me say Yeoman. Well, Mir, any? Are you a beach guy or no? Not really. I mean, I go to Ocean City, Maryland. Well, I used to go to Ocean City, Maryland every year. Complications, but I used to go to Ocean City, Maryland, and. I like it down there, but not for the beaches. It's just I, I just like the vibe or whatever. He's a big secrets guy. Yeah, secrets is good. Secrets. <laughs> I was being tongue in cheek, and that place is wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I like uh, secrets. I had a buddy once get kicked out of secrets, and then there's that bridge right near secrets, and he got kicked out of secrets, walked the bridge, jumped off the bridge, and swam back into secrets. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Yeah, uh, the wild bliss. Pat, I would say, like, when we were down in Ocean City, I said I wasn't going to go to the Crab Trap. I wasn't going to go to Mac and Manco's, but my mom wanted to go to the Crab Trap, which I feel like everybody feels the need to go there. It's not Mac Still, and Manco's anymore, right? Manco and Manco's. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, right. They soon. they got the, they got us in and out of there pretty quickly uh, for, for pizza. It was pretty solid, but I think there's... Do they still have the, um, if you eat this in less than an hour competition or whatever? I don't know. That sounds like they, something out of the great outdoors. I have always wanted to do one of those. It, it was essentially like, I remember it being like, you feed like a 22 inch pizza or some crap in like an hour, you get pizza free for the summer. And I remember thinking like, if I lived down here, like I would train for that for week one of my living down here. And now I'm just good for, <laughs> for the rest of the summer. No, I'm That's getting bad. a first try. Easy. Where is it? I'm writing it down. I'm going, I don't know. We're going I, this this is 16 year old Kyle's memory. 17 year old Kyle. <laughs> add, Declan, add, uh, add the great outdoors to your movie list. Sir. Yes, sir. It's getting really like the list is getting really long. Which movies so. have you seen since last time that on this list? Get them since the just knocked off. Getting great. Well, I haven't been on for a little bit. I saw Anchorman. You'd never seen Anchorman before. No, and it was on the list, and I watched, and it was really good. You watched Get yeah. Into the Greek. Which Get is Into the Kyle, Greek. Kyle not, not as good as no. Okay, let's take a step back. I like Get Into the Greek. You love Get Into the Greek. <laughs> you, bring, couple... you bring up Get Into the Greek more than anybody I've ever met in my life. Yes, but you like you like the the P Diddy scene. Sure, there's and a couple scenes like that are funny. Thousand units. I'm proud of yeah, every single one of those. Units. It's, uh, with Aziz and Sorry there too. Yeah, Aziz and Sorry and Nick Kroll. Yes, I'm, I'm, I got I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> Rub the furry wool. That was my okay. favorite. Part. Yes, yes. Uh, Rose Burns great in that too. Anyway. Uh, we'll have more for you guys next week to discuss Temple's road game at Rutgers. We'll see how they come out of this on the other side. Thanks for listening once again. Hope you guys are happy and healthy wherever you are. Talk to you soon.